A boat full of water is an opportunity to increase faith and to see God do a miracle. I want to repeat that because it's so important. A boat full of water is an opportunity to increase faith and to see God do a miracle. Our faith needs to be in what God says. Take your Bible this evening, please, and open up to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 4. We'll be reading a few verses together, have a word of prayer, and then you may have your seat. Mark chapter 4, if you would turn there now. On Sunday, I made mention that tonight I was going to make a special announcement concerning the 104 building. And so I hope that you're, you're still praying for that building every day. Well, with our Bibles open at Mark chapter 4, we're going to begin at verse number 35, and we'll read through to verse number 41. So that's verse 35 through to and including 41, basically the end of the chapter. Let's begin. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather tonight and read Scripture, that we can pray and sing, and now we can preach the Word. We pray that through the preaching of the Word of God, that faith would grow, peace and joy and love would come. We pray, Father, for everyone tonight here in the auditorium, all those who are watching online. Lord, how we thank you for our little family, our church family. We're so happy when we gather one with another and to fellowship one with another. What a joy it is. And Lord, help us to know and do your will. And again, we ask that you would increase our faith. Faith in your word, your promises, your instructions, your very will for our lives. Increase our faith, our trust in that. And Lord, move us, we pray, to a good action. And now bless, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, I think that uh, most of you here tonight, maybe all of you, are familiar with this story. This is a story that I'm sure you've heard uh, taught and preached and you've read it yourself probably more than once. Amazing story of what happened on the Sea of Galilee when, with Jesus and his 12 disciples. Now it's called the Sea of Galilee, but it's actually a large freshwater lake located in northern Israel. Years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to spend a little time there and we brought back about a, a cup full of water. And we have a picture you can't see too well from where you're sitting. Put that picture up, would you? This is what I'm holding there. 
And that little green that you see in there is uh, algae. Now, um, when we scooped this up, we went out on a boat. We went out on the, on the Sea of Galilee in a boat. And we scooped this up, and it was just as fresh and clear and clean uh, as you can imagine. But um, over time, it's been it's pushing 10 years that that water has been in there. And uh, I can have my own little storm on the Sea of Galilee if I, if I shake it enough there. But it sure brings back some good memories. You know, you can't help but wonder if uh, some water like this that uh, we scooped out of the Sea of Galilee was uh, the same water that was in the lake 2,000 years ago. You know, water recycles, right? So uh, we'll never know. The Lord knows. But uh, uh, you can see this after church if you're interested. Uh, you can uh, look at it. Don't drop it, please. But I'm, I'm fine if you want to look at this and hold it up to the light and try and walk on it. Whatever you'd like to do. Well, the Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles wide. That's about 21 kilometers wide. And it's about 33 miles long. That's about 53 kilometers long. It's surrounded by mountains. And the deepest point is approximately 141 feet. Now, they call it a sea because of its size. It's a big lake. But also because sudden storms can whip up giant waves and make you feel like you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean or something. And so in our story here, after a long day of ministry, our Lord Jesus said, let's get into the boat and let's go to the other side. No problem for these experienced fishermen. They were well familiar with the Sea of Galilee, well familiar with shipping and how to go from one side to the other. They had done it for years and years. So the disciples proceed to row, row, row the boat while Jesus went to sleep in the back part of the boat. But as fate would have it, a storm, a storm erupted and it whipped up those waters and it made the Sea of Galilee fierce and angry and water began to slap and start to fill the boat. Now the disciples, they bailed water as best they could and they continued rowing but the storm just got worse. And it seemed like the storm was winning the battle. So much so that the disciples started to freak out. Now in desperation and frustration, they went to the hinder part of the, the ship, the boat, and they woke up Jesus. Now what did they say to Jesus? Well, I know what they did not say to Jesus. I know what they did not tell the Savior. They didn't say, um, excuse us Jesus, but there's a situation happening in the front part of the boat that we thought you should be aware of. They didn't say that, did they? That's not what they said. Nope. They woke him up and they actually seemed to accuse him. Leaders get accused a lot. I've learned that. They accused Jesus of not caring whether they live or die. Carest thou not that we perish? And with the waves crashing, the wind blowing, the waves crashing, I don't think they spoke very quietly and softly to Jesus either. 
I think they were quite animated and quite worked up. No doubt they were out of breath. They had been rowing and bailing. They were exhausted. They were shaking. And they woke him up with quite a start. Have you ever tried to serve the Lord or maybe try to let your light shine, try and let someone know that you're a Christian? And what happened? Now, not all the time, but did it go the way you wanted it to? Or, were, let's put it this way, were you, were you able to gently row your, bo- your boat or the waves to the other side of the sea? Were you able to pilot your ship to its, its harbor? Or did you have problems when you started serving the Lord? When you started letting your light shine? When you started telling others you love God? Did it go smooth or did you have problems? Did the storms of life arise? Did the angry waves start to slap the side of your little vessel? And did your boat start to fill with some water? Did things start going wrong for you? Did some people start getting angry and upset with you and maybe tell you to sit down and to, to, to shut up? And how did you react to, to the opposition? Now, have you experienced opposition for being a Christian, for doing something, living for the Lord, trying to serve God? Have you experienced any water in your boat? And so, if you have, how did you react? Did you go to Jesus in prayer and say something like this? Well, that's what I guess I could expect. Ah, I've had nothing but trouble, Lord. I try my best. I live for you. I sacrifice. And where has it gotten me? A pain in the neck. Everyone seems upset with me. I want to quit. You know, that is a familiar song. That is a familiar song with Christians around the world for 2,000 years as we've tried to live for the Lord. And then storms happen. And I think that's what we've got here. I believe that Satan is always trying to block and to thwart the good, godly efforts of God's people. That's what Satan does. as part of his full-time job. And he's very good at it. He is. Satan is a master at getting people upset. Getting people upset at Christians and sometimes getting Christians upset. Satan knows what he's doing. He knows just when to bring the scribes and the Pharisees and the hypocrites into the boat with us. Boy, he knows how to stir up a hornet's nest. Satan is good at that. Now the twelve disciples here in our story, they, they knew exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. It was very evident. In verse Number uh, 35, he said, let us pass over unto the other side. What part of that don't you understand? That was what Jesus said to the disciples. And so the disciples knew exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. He wanted them to row the boat over to the other side of the lake. But the disciples did not count on opposition to what they were supposed to do. They didn't count on this. If they knew that this was going to happen, what do you suppose they would have told Jesus when they were still back on dry land? When Jesus said, let us take the ship, fellas, and let's get in the boat, and let's 
row to the other side of the lake. And if they knew what was going to be happening out there in the middle of the lake, what do you think they would have said to Jesus? Oh, time out, Jesus. Not so, Lord. We can't do this. We're going to die. If we go out there, we're all going to die, and you're going to die with us. Now, they might have said something like that had they known that there was going to be a terrific storm at sea. Uh, these, uh, some of, most of these disciples, they kind of grew up around Galilee. They knew what that lake and the winds were capable of doing. And many of them were, were fishermen. They were raised, for, their daddies were fishermen. These, these guys, when they were youngsters, they must have had fish swimming in their blood or something. They, they, uh, they knew all about boats and fishing, and they knew all about the conditions of the Sea of Galilee, and they no doubt had been out there on the lake, in a boat, in a storm. So they were familiar with it. And so they felt confident enough, no problem, Lord, you get there, you're tired, you've had a hard day, get in the back there and you, you have a good sleep and you leave this to us. We know, what, we know what we're doing. We've done this before. We can do this. And so they started and away they went and they rode. They had no concept of what was coming. Two years ago, we had no concept of COVID. No one, no one, unless some of the conspiracy theorists are right, and this thing was in the minds of certain, you know, evil people in maybe high government places, and they were planning this in their laboratories. But otherwise, no one around the world knew. Nobody knew. And I'll tell you someone else who didn't know, and that's all of our charismatic friends who claim to have the gift of prophecy, and they can foresee, and they make these pro prophecies, and they can tell what's going to happen down the road. None of them knew. No one this thing took the world by storm, didn't it? And all of a sudden, the world has found itself in a COVID storm. That's very true. But the disciples knew exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. Get in the boat, row to the other side. Satan knew exactly what he wanted to do. Sink the boat. Sink the disciples and especially sink Jesus. No question, the devil was trying to thwart and block all of the efforts of the Lord Jesus. I think the devil was the one motivating and moving in the hearts of those scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites that always seemed to come in and try and block Jesus and ask him embarrassing questions and try to shame him and put him down. I think that the devil was all involved in that sort of thing. And I have no problem thinking that the devil was involved here trying to sink the ship. The disciples had no idea what was about to happen, but Satan did, I think. And he wanted to sink that boat in the worst way. And so Satan brought not just opposition, but think of it, if you were in that ship. Now, we talk about a boat or a little ship or something, but understand that this was no rowboat. This was quite some size. You know, it was still a, you know, a boat with oars and and so on, and they would have had a sail, no doubt about it. But it was, it was big. It was certainly longer than one of these pews. Uh, it could well have been uh, uh, maybe not quite as long as the, uh, the width of the auditorium here, but I would say at least halfway. You know, that's a decent size 
uh, little boat, little ship. And so, anyhow, Satan brought not just opposition, but deadly opposition. They were facing death. That's what I'm saying. That's the kind of opposition. Have you ever faced death? Maybe you have. Maybe you've been hanging by your fingertips over the side of a cliff. But were you there doing it for Jesus? <laughs> have you ever faced death as a Christian? Some Christians do, you know that. We generally don't. We get opposition too, there's no question about it. But when was the last time you said to someone, I'm, I'm a born again Christian, I love God, and they pulled out a gun and put it to your head? When was the last time that happened? It doesn't happen in this country too often. There's countries of the world, it does happen. Where if you start walking around the street with a Bible, start preaching Jesus, they'll kill you. There are places like that. There is one little island that I know of off the coast there of India, and no one is allowed to go there because the inhabitants, the natives, have been uh, kind of by themselves secluded for hundreds of years, maybe, maybe a thousand years or more they've been there in that little island. And people have tried before. And recently, a couple of years ago, three, three years ago maybe, there was a young man, he was, fancied himself a missionary, he got uh, someone to take him over there in a boat, and they killed him. And they left his body there on the beach. And I forget now what they ever did, if they ever got his body back, I forget how the story went. That was maybe about three years ago. A young guy wanted to go there and tell them about Jesus. Great, um, great heart, great, um, great desire, but he, he paid for it. So here in this country, we don't pay with our lives. We pay in other ways. We face opposition too. But here, Satan brought deadly opposition to the men trying to do the will of God. And the deadly opposition was a boat full of water. That's no problem if you're standing on dry land. But if you're in that boat out in the middle of a lake 141 feet deep during a horrendous storm and your ship, your boat gets full of water, you're facing death. You are looking down the barrel of death. And I believe that's what these disciples were looking at. But I... I want to tell you something. I've thought about this over the years many times. And I believe this with all my heart. I believe this as much as I believe I'm standing here before you today. There is no way that boat would have sank. It was impossible for that boat to sink in the middle of that miserable, wicked storm full of water out in the middle with no help in sight it was absolutely impossible for that boat to sink because it had Jesus in it. Jesus Christ was in that boat and it was absolutely not possible. It could not happen. But let me hasten to say this. If somehow it was the perfect will of God for that boat to, to sink and take Jesus and the 12 disciples down under the, the billows, under the, the waves, if that really were the perfect will of God, then God would have had Jonah's whale prepared and he would have swallowed them up 
and then would have deposited them on dry land. But that's not what happened. That could have happened, but that's not how God wanted it. But that boat was not going to sink. The boat cannot sink if Jesus is in the boat. You know, there's a, a nice Christian song we sing that deals with this story in the Bible. And it talks about the, you know, the culminating storm. And Jesus says, peace be still. Boy, I forget the, how the, the, the hymn goes, but I've heard it a few times and I really like it. But in our story here, look please at verse number 39. And he, that's Jesus, arose and rebuked the wind. Imagine that. He spoke to the wind. Have you ever talked to the wind? Jesus did. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. Have you ever talked to the, to the sea? I got some here. If you want to try talking to it after the, the church service, you're welcome to try and talk to that if you like. Jesus did. He talked to that water. He talked to the wind. He talked to the water as if they were people. And he told them, Sit down and shut up. And it says here, and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, underline this in your Bible, please. This is important. Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? (laughs) They just freaked out. They looked death in the face and they freaked out. And they came and woke up Jesus and said, we're dying, we're all going to die. And Jesus stands up, adjusts his tie, and he says to the wind and to the sea, says, sit down, be quiet. And a great calm comes about. And then he says, why are you so scared? Now you might think, well, that's just a normal human reaction. I would tend to think you're right. But the difference is, Jesus was in the ship. Jesus was there. And Jesus had told them the will of God for their lives. It's in verse 35. Let us pass over unto the other side. That is the absolute, perfect, revealed will of God for those 12 disciples. Those disciples listened and heard and understood what the perfect will of God for their lives was for that period of time. And they went about trying to do it. And Satan came and roadblocked them. And they freaked out. The roadblock was so scary, it nearly, they nearly died, and they freaked out. And they come and they wake up Jesus. He, he fixes the problem, turns to them and says, why are you so scared? Why are you so fearful? And then look at this. How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. Not just a little, but they feared exceedingly and and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They may not have fully come to a realization of who Christ really was. Interesting story. It says here that, and it appears the disciples had no faith, according to Luke's gospel here. Or at the very least, they had little faith, but certainly they didn't have enough faith. And I want you to, to, to know that there are times when God honestly will allow our boat to get full of water. There really honestly are times when we are going to be in jeopardy. 
Now that may be the loss of a job, which will threaten your whole financial future. It may be you suddenly take sick or have a heart attack, and you wake up in the, in the hospital with all these tubes in you. It could be that you have a fire, your home or your car or something goes completely up in smoke. It could be a failed year at school, an entire year gone down the drain, and your boat all of a sudden is full of water. And God allowed it. Why did He allow it? Why did God allow it? Why did God allow this? It was a test of their faith to see if they had faith. Now, fortunately, it looks like the disciples, in this case, they didn't have any faith. Why does God allow our boat to sometimes get full of water and, and we're facing disaster? It's to test our faith. That's what it's for. During times of testing, when our boat gets full of water, takes on too much water, it, you know, we're threatened with death. We need to increase faith in God's promises. That's what we need to do, folks. Now is not the time to freak out. We need to increase faith in His promises. And right about now would be a good time to ask you this question. Is the God you serve the God of the impossible? Or is He just the God of little things? Which is it? The God you serve, the God you love and serve tonight... Do you venerate Him in your heart as the God of miracles and in the impossible? Or in your heart, is He just the God of little things? What I mean is, you can call upon Him to heal a pimple, but don't call upon Him to heal a cancer. That's a bit too much. Is the God you serve the God of the impossible? Or is He just the God of little things? Can He rescue you even with a boat full of water in the middle of the storm? Or is He more of a, we'll say, a fair weather God? And He's good for fair weather times. But you know, just to be on the safe side, you better not take your boat out very far. You better keep all your, your sailing close to the shore just in case. What kind of God do you serve? How do you envision God in your heart? Is He the God of the impossible? When the storms of life come, I suggest that we faith up, not freak out. Daniel, in the Old Testament book, Daniel, his three companions were living for God Things were going well. Then one day the king, for who knows what reason, he sets up this giant statue and he sends a commandment in writing for everyone to bow down and worship this statue. Hey, if you ask me, that's a, that's a, that's a boat full of deadly water right there. If you ask me. These three companions of Daniel, what did they do? Did they faith up or did they freak out? What did they do? Hello? Anybody? Can't hear you. Still can't hear you. Let me turn my volume up. 
One more time. Did they faith up or freak out? They faithed up, yes. They didn't freak out. Oh, were they scared? Probably. It's all right to be scared, but get the faith up. That's what they did. And in fact, they overcame by faith. The disciples should have faithed up. It sounds like face up, doesn't it? Face up to the situation. It sounds a little like that, doesn't it? But it's faith up. The disciples should have faithed up. They should have kept on rowing. They should have kept on their faith in God's will for their lives. God told us to row to the other side. That's what we're going to do. So they should have kept their faith up. They should have kept on rowing. They should have kept on bailing. But instead they freaked out. You know, I was thinking about this and I, I kind of think that if the disciples had of, maybe some of them would have abandoned ship at that point. They would have thought, oh, I'm not staying in this boat. This boat's full of water. This boat's going down. You go talk to Jesus. I'm out of here. Thing is, there was no place for them to go. There was no other ship, bigger ship that they could, you know, swim to safety or something. They, they, had, they had nowhere to go. That's, that's a pretty scary thing, I think. But uh, opposition always requires faith and action. Remember that. Opposition always requires faith and action. Abraham's nephew Lot was kidnapped by the bad guys. They kidnapped a lot of people. And, and Lot and his wife, there they were caught up in all of that. Abraham exercised faith and action in pursuing the bad guys and rescuing Lot. When David was still on the run from King Saul, while he was out, the Amalekites came and raided his, uh, his little camp and took all the women, all the children, and all the stuff. And so when David and the men got back home, you know, they walk in, oh, Jane, I'm home. There was no Jane. All, all the wives were gone. All the kids were gone. The stuff was gone. And it destroyed them. It broke their hearts. They, li- they lifted up their, their voices. They wept loud and long until they had no more power to weep. It was that bad. Now that's a terrible boatload of water to come home and find that your, your family's been kidnapped and all the stuff and everything. The bad guys have gone. We don't know where they went. That's a terrible boatload of water. And to make matters worse, some of David's men now started talking about killing David because it's his fault. So David encouraged himself in the Lord. But it took a lot of faith and action for David to go after the bad guys and to rescue back the wives and children and all of the stuff. But you see, that's what's required. In Luke chapter 18, someone stole from a poor widow. The poor widow went to the judge for justice. But the devil put upon the judge's heart obstinance and hardening and opposition And so the woman, she increased her faith and increased her action and she got what she wanted. That's the poor widow and the unjust judge. In Luke chapter 11, a man had a a desperate need. A friend of his came at midnight and he had to feed him and he had nothing in the house so he went to his friend. He knew his friend had food in the cupboards and he knocked and banged on the door and said, help me, I need three loaves. Lend me three loaves. 
And it seems to me that the devil put excuses in that man's heart and says, I can't do it, I can't get up, can't get out of bed, my kid's with me, the dog's asleep, you know, my wife's got her hair in curlers. I cannot get up and give you what you want. But what did the man do? He increased his faith, he increased his action. And he got what it was he wanted. Now that's important for us to to remember that. Because if your boat isn't full of water today, it might be full of water tomorrow or next week or next month. And what are we going to do? Well, I tell you what we need to do is we need to increase our faith in God's promises. Folks, we need to remember that God allows these things. He allows the boat to become full of water so as to test our faith. And we also need to remember that God is the God of the impossible, the miraculous. God is not just the, the, the God of, uh, of the cure of cancer. God is far beyond that. God can raise them from the dead. Like that's the kind of God we serve, the God of the impossible, miraculous A boat full of water is an opportunity to increase faith and to see God do a miracle. I want to repeat that because it's so important. A boat full of water is an opportunity to increase faith and to see God do a miracle. Our faith needs to be in what God says. Jeremiah 32 and verse 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Jeremiah 33.3 Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Psalm 81 verse 10 I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Mark chapter 11 and verse 24 Therefore I say unto you what things soever Ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. These are nothing but the words of God Almighty. Do you believe in a God of the impossible, the miraculous? Or do you believe in a God of little things? The disciples in the boat at that time, if they believed in anything, it was a God of little things. They didn't believe in the God of the miraculous and in the impossible. And a boat full of water is a golden opportunity for you and for me to increase faith. Let's see what God's going to do this time. And increase action. We may have to keep on rowing and keep on bailing water. But let's keep our faith strong when the boat gets full of water. Maybe there's water filling your boat today. Maybe you need to faith up and increase your faith in the promises of God concerning what God can do for you. And you need to pray fervently for the overthrow of Satan's block, Satan's thwart against you to do the will of God. Now if you're off living for the world, the flesh, and the devil, well, that's another story. But if you're trying to live your life for God and your boat gets full of water, then you need to pray fervently for the overthrow of Satan's intervention in your life. Satan will try and throw up a roadblock to prevent you from doing the will of God. I said to you that I have an announcement concerning the 104 building. 
I am told that there is a buyer for the 104 building and they are getting close to selling it. What does this mean? It means water is filling our boat. Now is the time for faith to increase. Faith in a God of miracles. A God of the impossible. Faith to increase in God's promises and for prayer to go on the offense. There is a time when prayer needs to go on the offense. When we need to call upon God and ask God to remove any and all roadblocks that would prevent us from gaining entry, access, and ownership to the 104 building. So what do we want the 104 building for? To serve God. Truth is, starting this coming Sunday, we're going to start running out of room again because we've got Sunday school classes started. There is not enough physical room in this building. That building will have more than enough. That building will enable us to grow the church. That building will enable us to reach this city because this city knows about that building. That building will enable us to pull rental income off two-thirds of it so we can finance and support a whole lot more missionaries so that we can build dormitories and offer Bible college, full Bible college experience at no charge to the men and women who will come and train for the Lord. That building will offer us so many other incredible opportunities, including a Christian school for the children, including jobs for many Christian people, including the opportunity to look after God's heroes when they come to town, the missionaries, the pastors, evangelists, full-time Christian workers, instead of churches having to pay for hotels and so on, we could house them there free of charge. We could do so much with that building. That's why I hope you're all praying every day. Why does God allow a boat full of water? To get our attention and to see how we're doing in the faith department. And it's now a golden opportunity for us to pray and ask God to cast down all of Satan's strongholds. To pull out of the way the roadblocks that he has, he has put up. And he seems to be putting up now. We need to ask God to cast down all of Satan's opposition. If we will increase our faith and our action, increase our faith and increase our fervent prayers, there's our action, God will give us what it is we're asking Him for. Mark eleven twenty four is His word on it. Prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, that's what he said, and that was just about tithing. That's all that was about. This is something that will do so much more. And so this announcement may be good news for us, folks. But this message tonight is for when that day, when your boat starts taking on water. Now let's pray together. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.